Hey, Soma. Um, good effort with the names. That was great. Um, so, here we are. Almost Christmas. I'm going to put this on the floor. I don't know what it is. Um, when I... So, Alba, the one who screamed earlier, little cutie outside, a year ago... She was the size of a raspberry. How crazy is that? Um, and we still had like seven months or eight months to go until we met her. And that, that whole like nine months of just, like we found out that she was coming and then we were like, nine months? It was the longest nine months in human history. Seriously, it was just so... So long. Oh, just eagerly waiting, man. I just want to meet her. But just waiting and waiting and waiting. And, and here in Matthew 1, um, if anyone noticed my socks and sandals, by the way, it might be what these guys are talking about. <laughs> I'm just rocking it. Um, <laughs> just put it out there. It's cool. Um, in, in Matthew 1, this, this genealogy that Hannah just read, they're all waiting for something. They're all waiting for the Messiah to come. They're all waiting for the, the prophecy to be fulfilled, the promises to come to fruition. They're all waiting, 42 generations at least. And like Matthew might have taken some, some out so that he could have that 14, 14, 14 thing. Um, so at least 42 generations. And for us, like reading it, like... To be honest, it's a bit boring. Um, but for the Jewish reader, man, it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. All these people who they've just read about and known and heard about their entire lives are just listed name by name. And it all leads to this, this, this promise fulfilled, this prophecy fulfilled. Um, and it's not just that, it's not just, Matthew isn't just about that genealogy being fulfilled. All throughout Matthew you get um, him saying, and this fulfilled this, and this fulfilled this, and like bringing back to the Old Testament, it just you see so many prophecies, so many promises fulfilled throughout all of Matthew. Um, but what I want to do this morning is focus on three themes. Just, just mainly in, I'm stepping on this back. I hope there's nothing delicate. Um, three themes that mainly I just want to be in verse 18 to 25. And the three themes are mystery, wonder, and hope. So I'm going to pray, and then we will get fully stuck in. Yeah, Father, thank you. Um, yeah, thank you that you have given us a space to come and gather and, and look at your word. Lord, thank you that you have given us your word, that we can just find out so much more about you, find out who you are and, um, yeah, what you've done and how you came and um, what will happen in the future, Lord. And I pray now that you just give me your spirit and, and just speak through me, Lord. I just want to be a... Um, yeah, your voice, God. I pray that your church will grow because of 
the words that you're speaking. In Jesus' name. Amen. So, mystery. The dictionary definition of mystery is something that is difficult or impossible to understand or explain. Something that is difficult or impossible to understand or explain. Verse 18 to 19 says, This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. So this word betrothed, or the NIV says pledged to be married, is, is it's like an engagement, but it's so much more than what we know of an engagement. It's... Um, there will be so many aspects in it. So, so Mary and Joseph, their, their parents would have set them up. It would be an arranged marriage. Their parents probably knew each other and would have been like, these guys will get on. Let's hook them up, get them married. Um, and Mary would have been around 14 to 16. She would have been living at home. Whereas Joseph would have been around 18 years old with a job and a house and he probably built his house, so he's a, he's a catch as well. And, um, and also in this, in this betrothment, is that a word? <laughs> Betrothal, that's what I said. Um, there would have been like a pre-marital contract. So they would have signed something to say, we are going to sign something and get married. Um, and in this contract, there would have been uh, to be faithful, to not go and sleep with anyone else. And also, the only way to break this premarital contract would be through a witness divorce. And so they're in this situation. They're betrothed and they're pledged to get married. And then Mary, it says, was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. And other gospel, other, other points of view tell us that she, she, knew what was, she knew what was happening. It was explained to her. She agreed to it. She knew, she, she knew what was happening. And, and so she's found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. And conception, that's a mystery in itself, right? I mean, well, I mean, I can't explain it. <laughs> it's when... Um, uh, when a man and woman love each other very much, <laughs> and they come together. But that is actually the only way to explain it, right? Man and woman. But here, that didn't even happen. Mary was a virgin. She'd never slept with anyone. And so Mary's put in this position where she now needs to tell Joseph. Now, put yourself in their shoes, okay? God chose her. She's like super stoked. She's ecstatic. God chose her to do his work. And not only that, like, like now Mary's like, I'm going to have a child. That's amazing. But also this child, she knows, is the fulfillment of these prophecies, the, the fulfillment of these promises. And she, it's the fulfillment of what these 42 generations have been waiting for, for so long. And she knows that. She knows that she's going to be bearing this child. 
she is the one that, she's the virgin that she read about growing up. She's, she's that person. So she, at the same time of her being just like super stoked, super ecstatic, she's also like, I need to tell Joseph. And who is going to believe me? So that's Mary. And then the same day, Joseph probably just would have had a normal day, chiseling away at a yoke for a local farmer, just or maybe working on his house. Um, and, and then he was, he was probably like, oh, I'm just going to go over and see my fiancé, if that's what you call them back in that day. Um, and so he would have he walked in and saw Mary glowing, not literally, but like, you know how pregnant women glow? That kind of glow. Um, what is all this? Beautiful. Um, <laughs> um, anyway, so <laughs> Mary would be there, just like, just looking, just super happy, but at the same time, just like that face of Joseph. I've got to tell you something. So Joseph would would have gone in, and Mary would have been like, "I got something to tell you. I'm pregnant." Now, I remember when Annie told me she was pregnant and I seriously, like, I had to take a few seconds because I thought I was dreaming. Like, it was the weirdest thing. I actually thought I was dreaming. I was like, like you know when people say, oh, I had to pinch myself? Like, I legit had to pinch myself. It was super strange. And then my first response was, prove it. And so she was like, okay, and like got the pregnancy test, and she's like, pregnant. And I was like, okay, phew, you proved it. They didn't have pregnancy tests. Joseph couldn't do that one. Um, so Joseph would have been like, and also, I, like it was expected, right, for us, but for Joseph it wasn't expected. Mary was a virgin. So the only assumption that Joseph would have had was that she would have slept with someone else. It's the only way to explain conception. Joseph would have been like, I thought she was innocent. I thought she was kind. I thought she was loving. But it turns out that she's just an adulterous liar. And I don't want to publicly shame her, and I don't want to risk her being stoned to death, but I definitely don't want to marry her. She's bearing someone else's child. So what I'll do is I'll divorce her in secret. And then, just after Joseph thought that, an angel appeared to him. And then told him the truth. And also told him what the name of this baby will be. And said that you will name him. And by naming him, it means that Joseph would, would become his legal father. And man, what a relief. Joseph would have been freaking out. But he just he had this proof. He had, you know, he saw that pregnancy test. The, the angel appeared to him and told him, and that was enough proof. What a relief. And he didn't wait around. They got married.
Oh, it's pretty mysterious. And then the second theme is wonder. The dictionary definition of wonder is a feeling of amazement and admiration caused by something beautiful, remarkable, or unfamiliar. A feeling of amazement and admiration caused by something beautiful, remarkable, or unfamiliar. I'm going to read verse 24 and the beginning part, verse 25. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. So in this time, Mary's pregnant. What a beautiful mess. I feel like we often skip this part of, of Mary being pregnant, and I don't really know why. It's full on. Pregnancy is full on. My gosh, morning sickness, sore feet and hips and back and reflux, lack of sleep, discomfort. Then you get the kicks in the ribs and the kicks in the spine and the kicks in the, all your organs, kicks in the bladder, then constant toilet trips and a whining husband, most likely. And then more morning sickness and then an unbalanced body and so much more. Pregnancy is full on. It's messy, but birth is even messier. There's so many variables. There's so many variables with birth. We're told, like now, we're told so much of what birth could look like, might look like, will look like. But we're kind of, we're, we're given an opportunity to prepare for so many different scenarios. And still, so much crap happens. We have nurses and midwives. We have ambulances and hospitals and beds and baths. We have sanitized instruments and people who know what they're doing, theaters and surgeons. They had none of this. They had nothing. Mary would have been just going off what her mother would have told her. They had none of this. In Matthew 3, just a few chapters on, John said to the Pharisees, John the Baptist said, do not think that you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. Because I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. John's saying God can raise up children from anything. He could, he could send a child through anything. For Adam, he formed from dust. Mary, he formed from the rib of Adam. But God decides to send his precious son, his, his love, he decides to send through childbirth. A risk-filled mess of bodily fluids. See, like, see, it's an absolute mess. It's blood, mucus, poo, discharge, just everything. And like, it's, it's fully hectic. Like, then on top of that is this vulnerable baby that was just sitting in a sack of goo for nine months. Like, as, as, 
like, I actually just want to, I've, I've been um, following this artist on Instagram and he's just like, he just lays it out. And so sometimes you're like, man, this is brutal. Like, you're bringing up all of these, like, I don't know if I want to read this. But at the same time, it's just like, actually amazing. God decides to send Jesus in this way. And for the first time, through all of this mess, through all of this blood, through all of this pain, the human form of God is seen by human eyes. And it's not what people imagined. It's fully not what people imagined. This is the king the king sent, and he didn't come with a solid crown, but he came with a soft spot on his head. And he didn't come with uh, wearing a robe, but he came nude, covered in, covered in all sorts of stuff. He didn't come riding a horse, but he came cradled in the weak arms of a teenager. He didn't come eating royal feasts, but he came nursing the breast of a virgin mother. But the king did come. Man, there's so much wonder and so much beauty in birth. And there's, there's so much mess, but it's so wonderful and it's so beautiful. I was like, yeah, when Alba was born, I just couldn't help but just, I was just bawling, just fully bawling. And then they gave me the scissors to cut her umbilical cord. I was like, this, I can't see anything. <laughs> Seriously, like, <laughs> it's crazy. It's so beautiful. It's so messy. It's so wonderful. And then the third theme is hope. The dictionary definition of hope is a feeling of expectation and desire for a particular thing to happen. A feeling of expectation and desire for a particular thing to happen. I'm going to read verse 21. She would give birth to a son, and you were to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And then the end of 25 says, and he gave him the name Jesus. And by doing this, Joseph took the place of Jesus' legal father. The name Jesus is a a Hebrew um, variation on on the name Joshua, which means to deliver, to rescue. There's a reason God sent Jesus to earth. It wasn't just so that he could experience the wonder and mess of birth. There's a reason he sent him to earth. And it's not to deliver us from our discomfort or to rescue us from our sadness. It's to deliver us from the, from the grasp of Satan and to rescue us from the reality of death. God came to earth in a terrifying way. He sucked up every ounce of equality with God. He became a fetus, a kicking baby. He was born into mayhem through blood, through fluid, 
And he did that to live a life of work, to live a life of pain and to live a life of hatred. Just so that he could take the punishment that was meant for all of humanity. All of humanity but himself. He was the only one who didn't deserve it. But he did it so that he could take it. The sacrifice. So we celebrate, we celebrate Christmas this time of year, seeing that Jesus came into this world through a broken body and through blood so that he could be the sacrifice, his body broken, his blood poured out. And then three days later, after he died, he rose. The death was a bruise on his heel, but the resurrection was the serpent's head being crushed. This is the extent that God went to for you, for each one of you, for me, for everybody out there. This is the extent that he went to. And then he ascended. And when he ascended to heaven, he sent his spirit, the other part of the triune God. So not only is he still alive, but he's here. Whether we feel it or not, he's here. This artist that I talked about um, said this. He said, there was a time when the presence of God felt like uneasy morning sickness. And then it felt like just unending pain. So don't be surprised if your unease and your pain is an avenue of God's presence. He's alive now, and he's here now. He's as, he's as alive and as present as he was in Mary and Joseph's arms. That mysterious, wonderful, and hopeful morning. pretty amazing. Do we have someone who's going to pray? Yeah, I just need to cough. <laughs> I'm ready. All right, let's pray. Oh, Father, thank you for, yeah, what you went through. The way you put yourself out there, Lord. <coughs> the way you decided to come through vulnerability, through pain. Thank you that you, yeah, you did all of that so that you could just take that cross and Take the pain and take the suffering and take the punishment that we deserve, Lord. And I pray that, <coughs> that this Christmas we'll see you and know you. In Jesus' name. Amen.